This is Basketball U. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago on FM 100.3 HD2. The ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000. Single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. Tyler Rocky and Shay Norling, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. every single Sunday, right here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. Don't forget, you can also watch the show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. We have seen some fantastic basketball. There have been the upsets of all upsets. We saw already two number one seeds go down. We'll get to Kansas a little bit later on, unless. We're getting a, a call from upstairs from Danny saying we're not allowed to talk Kansas well, today. Has anybody done the wellness check on Zetterman? Should we do that? Let's do that. We should do that we'll on do the that, air. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do that a little bit later on. Um, and then Purdue. And this has been the... We, we've struck a chord in West Lafayette, Shay. Uh, God forbid we, we expect a, a program that has been a 1, 3, and a 4 seed to go out and beat a 13, a 15, and a 16 seed. God forbid we want a, a program to do that. And, and we've got some Boiler fans that are not happy with us. Well, are they not happy with us or are they not happy with Matt Boehner? David Goldcoast wasn't happy with us, but he was an IU fan. Mm-hmm. I'm actually glad we fired up Purdue Nation because... Look, you shouldn't be happy with what Matt Painter's given you. You should be a little upset with what Purdue has done in the past few tournaments. And where you make the Sweet 16 and you finally get that second weekend after the Elite Eight berth where Carson Edwards got hot and went crazy. And you make the second weekend and you lose to St. Peter's. And that was with uh, Jaden Ivey, who was a top five pick in the draft. And then this year, obviously, going out as the second team in history to lose to a 16 seed, the biggest upset in tournament history with a guy who could be the player of the year in Zach Eady. Mm-hmm. Like in our last hour before we went to break, a caller brought up, it just feels like Painter doesn't get creative. It feels like Painter doesn't adapt. I agree with that. Every trip down the floor, it feels like the same thing. Edie post up, collapse the defense, mm-hmm. but if he ends up with two defenders on his backside, he's going to be able to go up. Otherwise, kick it out for an open three. It's always the same kind of trip, and it's asking a lot of usage out of a guy who is massive, and honestly, at the end of games, he looks gassed pretty often. So yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of see... You shouldn't be happy with Matt Painter if you're a Purdue fan, and I'm glad we're hearing from some people who aren't. Matt is in Crown Point. What's up, Matt? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. So you have a coach like Matt Painter who is rightfully so a good recruiter, gets a lot of credit, but I think it's it's a lot on him. You, The freshman guards that did um, that played in the tournament this year, they yeah, there is potential, but you look at a guy like uh, Hood Shafino down in IU, there's freshmen out there that are better. So it's out. It's on Painter to go get those guys. It's great that he develops big guys, but um, you need that one-two punch. We look at last year. That was, I think, as a Purdue fan, our, t- our time to win it because yeah. we had a NBA guard. We had Travion. Uh, I forget his last Travion name. Williams. And then we also yeah, and we had E. We had more pieces last year. This was a flawed team. We got called on our bluff. We had a big guy. They shut him down. Had no response. But the way he used Ivy last year and just let him run wild. And it, they didn't really run much of an offense in the tournament. Um, it seemed like it was like it made you think about his coaching. So I want to see, see what you guys thought. About yeah, that. and I think Matt, you bring up the the run with Jaden Ivy last year. Like that last possession where Ivy had to go out and, and just 
I don't even know if a play was drawn up. I literally think it was Jaden Ivey, go hit a three for us to try to keep our season alive, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, that's to me what, what I saw last year. And that team had all the talent in the world. Like, they were a three seed, but that team would have been a one seed this year. If they had, yeah, what it, like, tr- I mean, even without Edie playing as well as Edie is now, like, let's say we had last year's version of Edie, who was seven foot four and on the, the rise to, to becoming a star. Like, Travion Williams. That's one of the best passing bigs we've seen in the sport in the last like 20, 25 years. Jaden Ivey, top five pick. Like, if you couldn't win with that team last year and you couldn't beat a 15 seed, like, that was the team that had the chance to get to the and final four. The there. path was built for oh, you. Oh, my goodness. It yeah. was set up perfectly for Purdue to finally make it and just couldn't get it done. It to that, like you mentioned, to me, that team Thanks, with Ivy, that's the one that I look back at and go, if they weren't going to make the Final Four then, and now you lose with Edie this year, you ain't making the Final Four with Matt Painter. Like, I don't know what's the... I hate to say it, but like I don't know what's the more egregious loss. Is it that one or the loss to St. Peter's? Like, the St. Peter's loss, was that was a team that looked like it was just... It walked into the gym and said, oh, we've got more talent than this team, so we're going to go out. Like, I don't know what's the more egregious coaching job. Between. Doesn't it feel like it was kind of the same thing uh, on Friday night, though, too, where they just kind of showed up and were like, we're going to beat this team. Not yeah. a big deal. And then they get into a game and a rock fight and Painter doesn't know what to do because the only plays he runs are ED post ups. It's just it's so much of the same that you and you mentioned like the hey, Jaden, take the ball, shoot a three. If we make it, then we stay alive. That's that is what it felt like. It feels like he's a guy. Who's not doing any coaching really? He does the recruiting. He uses he leans on the strengths with Edie, and then just lives off of that. There's no real adapting in game. They don't change the game plan much. Mm-hmm. It's just a, he feels stubborn, and it feels like it's a team that's not going to go much further than they have. And I think it sort of ties into what what the Big Ten in general and why they have so much difficulty in the NCAA tournament. It's because it is a big man's league, and when you get into the NCAA tournament, you're playing a guard's game. Like, it's almost like you're taking football players and throwing them into a basketball tournament. That's what you're doing with the Big Ten, it feels like, every single year. And we're on the vert. Like, potentially today, the Big Ten could be out of the tournament. They could have zero second weekend teams if Marquette and if Miami win today, which is certainly not out of the question of either of those happening. Yeah, Marquette's a favorite. Miami, I think, is a, a half one point, and a half one point. point. It's yeah. something very, it's a coin flip. It's two coin mm-hmm. flip games today, and if the Big Ten loses both, then yeah, it's another year where you get eight teams in and tout yourself as one of the best conferences in America, but all eight teams are gone by weekend two, including your number one seed. It, it just, it feels like a lot of the same. And I think a part of it, Tyler, is like we mentioned the conference hasn't won a national title since Michigan State in 2000. I think since then, only Michigan State and Michigan are the teams that have even made it to national title games. Yeah, it, it's, it feels like there's no pro talent in this conference, or very little. Mm-hmm. And when there is, even Izzo, even the great coaches don't necessarily know what to do with it. Like The most talented Michigan State team was probably 2018 with Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges, right. and they lost in the second round. In a home game. To you, yeah. To I, I remember that. Like it was, it's one of those things where it, sometimes you see a coach try to adapt their strategy, and, and it, it sometimes comes in and bites them in the ass. Yeah. So I, I think when we look at the Big Ten, it, like Purdue is almost a microcosm of what this conference is. Is it time? 
uh, me, you are obviously an ACC guy. You went to mm-hmm. Syracuse. I, uh, me as a Michigan State fan, I watch a lot of Big Ten basketball, and I think people in Chicago watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. Is it time, if you watch the Big Ten, that you have to just accept we're not going to win a national championship. Like, this is kind of the same deal as football. We're not going to compete with the SEC. We're not going to compete with the Big 12. We might get on par with the ACC in years like this where the conference is down a little bit. But as a conference, we're not going to pull the pro talent that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the SEC get. We don't have the attractive destinations. We have coaches, I think, across the board who operate in an old-school way and don't want to get involved in the transfer portal, don't want to get involved too much in the NIL stuff. As a conference, it just kind of feels like this is it. We're not going to win a national championship. We're going to be content to have a bloodbath regular season, hang a banner for a regular season champion, hang a banner for a tournament champion, and then watch all eight of our tournament teams go home in the first three rounds. I'll say no to that because there's one team that I think could be built for something, and they're starting to, to get back on the rise here, and that's Indiana. I think the the path that Mike Woodson and again I don't think Woody's the greatest X's and O's guys out guy out there, but I think the players love playing for him. He's done a really good job in recruiting so far, and he's done a really good job in talent retention as well. I mean, the fact that Trace Jackson Davis got not one but two seasons with Mike Woodson is stellar in and of itself, and I think Mike Woodson could be the one that brings the Big Ten a title because I think he could do the recruiting part. And he could go out and get that mega star. Like, he could get their Brandon Miller. I think Indiana's probably the only program in the Big Ten that could sell that right now. It's it's just such a big question to me because, like, if I'm a five-star kid and I've got an offer from Indiana and I've got an offer from, honestly, someplace warm, or I've got an offer from, like, UCLA. <laughs> Alabama. Like, Alabama. It, right now with Nate Oates, barring Nate Oates leaving – which I don't think he's going to do this offseason. No. I'm just saying, like, in the future, that's a program on the rise that may just stick around as a basketball powerhouse. You have the best football program, or probably now the second-best football program in the country. That's a huge recruiting tool. Mm-hmm. Then you add in, hey, we're a basketball program on the rise, and we've got a really great coach who's young and ready to go. Like, that's where I kind of think the Big Ten's going to struggle. A lot of the coaches are older. The recruiting feels outdated. The pro talent we do get is one and gone, and they don't win. It's just a lot of the pro talent we get is also second-round picks in this conference. Like, we're not getting lottery talent. And when we do, it's like I mentioned. It's Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson going out in the second round. It's Jaden Ivey going out in the Sweet 16 to St. Peter's. It's a lot of early exits. Like, if I'm a pro kid, a five-star kid, I'm looking more at, Texas. I'm looking more at Bama, UCLA, places that one are warm, mm-hmm. two are storied, three have young, kind of exciting vibes about them. I don't Duke see and Carolina too. Time. I think yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, I, I just I think that Mike Woodson with his NBA background too, because like a lot of these kids, what's the goal, right? Get to the next level, get and, and get me there as quick as you can as well. And Woodson's got the NBA ties to to the league from his time as a head coach with uh with the Knicks and I think also the uh, the management of, of kids making money too like I think Woodson is one of the coaches that is best equipped to handle egos and it's because of that NBA background it's why if, if Billy Donovan were to come back into the college ranks 
I think he would be unbelievable at it because he knows how to manage some ego. And he's also, I think, college-wise, he's a great recruiter, one of the best recruiters that you'll find. What's going to be interesting, too, with Indiana is if they are getting some pro talent, you look at Jalen Hutchcafino, mm-hmm. can they get these kids to stay? Because now yes. you have there is an opportunity with the NIL. It used to be with the one-and-done, you get the pro-level kid, the, right. the five-star type kid, they're gone, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now with the NIL, can you retain some of this talent? We're in all likelihood going to see the player of the year stick in the sport for the second straight season. With Oscar Shibwe last year, and then this year, I'm guessing we'll see it with Zach Eady. It's a different game now, because you can make money in college. There's no race to get to the NBA anymore. All right. Tyler Aki, Shane Norling, 312-332-3776, if you want to jump on into the conversation. We may try to do a wellness check with Danny Zetterman coming up next. All right? We'll we'll, we'll give him a call. See how he's doing. That's a good idea. Uh, This is Basketball U on ESPN 1000. This is ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. This is Basketball U. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago on FM 100.3 HD2. The ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000. today talking about the the one seed that fell the Purdue Boilermakers in mega upset fashion losing to Fairleigh Dickinson just the second time ever we've seen a one seed fall in the first round of the NCAA tournament the other one seed that lost is the Kansas Jayhawks they fall to Arkansas they had a double digit lead on on the Hogs and then What do you know? All of a sudden, Arkansas catches a little bit of fire, and they come back, and they pull off the small upset. Just It was a a three-and-a-half-point line heading into that one. But, you know, Eric Musselman, he takes the shirt off. It's good times. Woo-pig suey, right? Like What was that about, by the way? I mean, the shirt off. It's his thing. He does it all the time. The must bus is a convertible. I love it. I love it. And, And listen, like... Eric Musselman, I feel like, is one of those coaches who I don't think gets enough credit for the tournament success that he has. And he shows once again as he finds himself in the second weekend. And he's just, it feels like Arkansas is one of those teams every single year when they're, especially when they're a high seed, not as much this year because they were uh, an eight seed, but every single year. The Arkansas Razorbacks feel like the the trendy pick to lose early, like as a four seed, and he just doesn't. And, and Eric Musselman, even going back to when he was at Nevada, I thought he was. I mean, he did the whole transfer portal thing there, and he got it was just import after import after import with him, and it, it was it was a really good showing for Eric Musselman. But the the Arkansas Razorbacks go out and, and put together. Uh, a fantastic comeback victory here on the the heels of what they got from Ricky Council as well as Devontae Davis, each with over 20 points. Yeah, and I think the the other part of this too, and on the Kansas side of things, it's like it's a three and a half point line. I think it would have been a larger spread if Bill Self had been the coach in the game. It's something I always look at. Like you remember probably very well. There, in, I think it was 2014, 2015. There was a stretch of games. Syracuse had a good team. Mm-hmm. Jim Beheim missed a rather long stretch of games. And during that stretch, 
Syracuse played very poorly. Not having your coach in the college game can be a yeah. huge factor in whether or not you win or lose. Like right. That's why I think with Purdue, it's kind of obvious. Matt Painter blew a huge game again. With Kansas, it's a little more nuanced because I think if Bill Self had been on that sideline, they don't lose yesterday. Right. Like if Bill Self is coaching in that game, Kansas is still playing. Bill Self didn't coach in that game and he's having health issues and we wish him the best. Mm-hmm. But you lost the game and that's it just kind of is what it is. The the surprising thing to me also was just that uh you didn't see a lot of, of Grady Dick because like he is one of those guys who I thought he, you'd see a Grady Dick outing, and it just kind of takes you on a little turny run, right? And and he only shot the ball three times from distance. He finishes with seven points. The starters played well for Kansas. The one problem with this team is that they didn't have a lot of depth, and I don't think that depth is the, the be-all, end-all either. I think that you can win without depth. We saw Villanova do it time and time again. You don't necessarily need depth, but you need more than five guys And because if one of those five guys is off, then you're you're in for a little bit of trouble here. All right, should we do this? Are yeah, you let's do get this? let's get the wellness right. check in. Danny Zetterman, our director of content, our fine fine director of content, and noted Kansas Jayhawk fan, now joins us on Basketball U on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Danny, uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Uh, how, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? Guys, everything's great. What, what what could possibly be wrong today on this beautiful Sunday? You two are on the air, sounding great. The sun is shining. Well, what could possibly be bad? Okay, but how how are you really feeling, Danny? Are you trying to get me to talk about Kansas? Yeah, I heard you what? talking about Grady Dick. Did he play yesterday? Was he there? 36 minutes, but didn't do a lot. He did absolutely nothing. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not heartbroken. I'm very upset. Obviously, I would have liked my Kansas Jayhawks to win the game. Up 12 points, I thought for sure going into halftime they were going to win the game. The problem was Bill Self wasn't there. When you have, and you guys will not disagree with me, right now he is a top three active coach in NCAA basketball. Yeah, when, he may when be number one. one. Of the top, may, I agree with you, but I didn't want to sound biased. But when you have one of the top coaches in basketball out, what do you think is going to happen? They were up 12 points. They gave up the lead. K.J. Adams got in foul trouble. That didn't help them. McCuller got in foul trouble. That didn't help them. Grady Dick was absolutely nowhere to be seen. We're, we're playing... Clements, all these minutes, the kid barely played all season, and here he is in a major tournament game playing. It was, it didn't go the way we needed it to go. Yeah, and I mentioned to Tyler, like my big thing with it was if Bill Self's on the sideline, you're a bigger than three and a half point favorite, and you're still playing. So I was wondering how much that factors into you being kind of okay with this because it's. Like, obviously, the biggest thing is Bill Self's got to be okay. The health issues stick out. If he'd been there, you're still playing. Just It kind of feels like it is what it is. He wasn't there, and you blew the lead. It's an interesting conversation how much a coach has an effect on a college basketball game. I would say so. Going into the game before it was official that Bill Self wasn't going to play, Kansas was minus 5.5 some places, minus 5. Then when it came out he wasn't going to be there, they were minus 3.5. So Bill Self accounts for two points. I think he accounts for more than that when you take one of the best coaches in basketball off the sideline, up 12 points, they don't blow that lead if he was there. So last night, a bunch of my friends were texting me, a bunch of guys I went to college with, were, were, we were talking on the phone. Like, We're not that upset because, let's be honest, if one of your best players was out in the tournament, you'd expect to lose. You, maybe not in the second round if you're a number one seed, but you don't expect to cut down the nets. Without Bill Self, I take the loss with a grain of salt. So you're not upset. You're, you're good to go. 
I'm, I'm upset. You know what? I'm upset. I was watching the game with my kids. My son Avery was fully bought in. My I was going to ask about that, Avery. I was too. Yeah. That was my next question. It was. It, that was the most heartbreaking part because, like, I get it, and I know the coach wasn't there, and I know you can't cut down the nets every year. As much as I say Kansas is going to win every year, I know it doesn't happen that way. But when you're a nine-year-old kid and you see Kansas Jayhawks, your favorite team, and there's a number one in front of them, you don't think they're going out to a number eight. And he can't get over the, the rankings, right? He's like, oh, number eight, for sure we're going to win. For sure this is an easy one. So I felt, I felt really bad for him because now you've got to wait another 12 months to do it again. Is this one of the most devastating losses in his life? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would think, yeah, because, like, Think of the teams he's fans of. He hasn't suffered any devastating losses with the Bears. You know, when the Cubs won the World Series, he was three years old. And then, you know, the decline came after that. He wasn't old enough to be into sports. Um, the, so- he was, the Sox season was rough for him yesterday, last year because he thought the Sox were going to make a run for the World Series, probably because I kept saying they're going to make a run for the World <laughs> Series, and they didn't. But, like, he's not a huge Blackhawks fan. The Bulls have never been good in his lifetime. So I would have to say, yeah, that's a good question, Tyler. But I think, yeah. I remember when they lost to TCU in the regular season, you had a, you said Avery had a really difficult time with it. So I was keeping Avery in my thoughts last night. Well, thank you for that, Shay. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's t- I, listen, when you're a little kid, you don't, like, when you're the number one seed or you're the, the team that dominates and you watch almost every game, he watched almost every game with me, and then you see them blow a 12-point lead, it's mind-boggling to him. You know, like, how does this happen? How can we do this? What's going on? Yeah. All right, Danny. Grady, start- by the way, Grady Dick, I know you're listening because you're big fans of Tyler and Shay. Like, dude, you better come back to Kansas. Don't even think <laughs> of going in the draft. If you couldn't show up yesterday against the Arkansas Razorbacks, you got no shot in the NBA, buddy. I love the plea. That can't be your final performance, Grady. It can't be. No. And listen, and, and, and they couldn't make free throws. Like, we're in the bonus the majority of the second half, and nobody's hitting their free throws. Yeah, yeah, that's college basketball. Mm-hmm. The greatest thing ever, the one in one. Danny, sorry to bother you on a Sunday. Um, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next year when Kansas loses. Why did you have to do that, Mr. Syracuse? How'd your team do in the tournament? <laughs> I had did, no did, expectation. Did they make it, Tyler? They did not. Jim Beheim, hey, did Jim Beheim get anyone else fired this weekend? Or, uh, oh, he boy. Just m- moving out with his no, life? he got a job. He got a job in the athletic department. <laughs> I'm, I'm cooked, Danny. Like I, I may join you. I may become a Kansas fan. It's funny. One of my good buddies, uh, Matt Chango, texted me on Friday night when Purdue lost. And he goes, hey, can you send me a link for some Kansas gear? I think I'm changing allegiances. And then I texted him last night. I'm like, hold off on ordering the Kansas gear, buddy. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe all three of us will be down a uh, team at, by the end of the day. Yeah. No, you're, we're all rooting for you, Shay. Yeah, yes, thanks, we are. Danny. Appreciate that. All right, Danny. We'll talk to you later. All right, boys. Be good. All right, Danny's Danny's taking it all right. You know, he brings up a good point about being a little kid, though. I remember like when the national championship uh, when Michigan Michigan State played North Carolina in Detroit, and I was young at the time. I think I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting down to watch it with my dad, and even at 15. I didn't know as much as I know now. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like Michigan State, two seed, up against North Carolina. This will be tough. But it's in Detroit. It's a home game. We, we're going to win this, no problem. And only now, looking back, do I realize nobody thought Michigan State was going to win that game. <laughs> that was the buzzsaw the, North Carolina team. I, it's always like there's certain games where you lose like your, your college basketball innocence, right? Like you, you start to learn 
and I, I know exactly what mine is. It, it is when Georgetown lost to Florida Gulf Coast. I think that's when I truly found how magical this tournament is. And I remember too, like uh, the the George Mason run. What was that in two thousand and six? I yeah. want to say um, the George Mason run is certainly another one of those, those formative moments of, of March Madness in my lifetime. But like for young Avery Zetterman here, like. I mean, he's going to have to stick with this Kansas loss for for a while here. Like Danny said, the worst part about this, when you've got a team as good as Kansas is, and unfortunately there's a circumstance that happens late in the season that kind of yeah. forbids them from moving on in the, the tournament here. But now you got to wait another 12 months for this. And you don't know what the pieces are going to look like when we get to this time next year. That is, there's so much brutality that comes with a tournament loss because you wait all year for this and the odds of winning it are so exponentially set against you. Yeah. Even if you're a one seed, the uh, it feels like the odds of actually winning this are so against you. And yet, the loss is like... It's like a knife to the heart because it's the one game you're done. Like you mentioned the formative moment. The ones that stick out for me are Butler as an 11 seed Mm -hmm. going to the national title game, the Kemba Walker run with UConn, and then Duke losing to Mercer. Those are the ones that really stick out as like, this is a magical thing. But then when I'm on the flip side of it and Michigan State loses to Middle Tennessee State, it ain't magic. I'll tell you right. that, but it, that's pain. Yeah. All right. When we come back, you, you brought up Duke there. They lost yesterday to Tennessee. We've talked a little Tennessee, but I do want to talk about Duke because that is one of the, the bigger losses we've seen in this tournament so far. We'll get to Duke when we come back here. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norling, it's Basketball U on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. This is Basketball U. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. On this Sunday, the the last batch of second round games. Right now, Xavier all over Pitt. 15 point advantage here with 14 and a half minutes to go. So it appears for now like the Xavier Musketeers will be moving on to face Texas. Uh, we've got a, a great slate of games going on later today as well. We'll, we'll kind of we'll, we'll do like some quick hitting thoughts through all of those coming up in about 10 minutes here. Um, but we do have something from yesterday that needs to be brought up and that is the duke blue devils getting blown out by tennessee in john shire's first tournament as the head coach of the duke blue devils and you can't say it any other way like this was a beyond successful year i think for john shire even though they didn't get to the second round you lose to a tennessee team that was a better seed than you but i don't think was necessarily the better team and ultimately this team just they they didn't have the, uh, I don't know the, the best way to put it, but like we, we mentioned how part of why we had faith in Duke making a run here in the NCAA tournament was because the five stars were starting to play like five stars finally. And in this game, the, the five stars weren't playing like five stars. And I mean, Derek Lively is a fantastic player, but you can't have a guy 
who is the number one player in the country and not take a single shot in the game. He impacted the game in, a, in many other ways. And to me, like Derek Lively, it almost reminds me a little bit of Joe Kim Noah in the way that he can impact games defensively and be a star in the sport. But um, you can't have the number one recruit in the country not shoot the basketball once for you. There has, As a seven-footer, there has to be some sort of lob opportunities, ability to get some offensive rebounds and easy putbacks there, and there was none of that for Lively in this game. Yeah, they got beat badly on the offensive glass. They got out-rebounded overall, which was shocking, frankly, to see. With and a pair of seven-footers out there at all times. That's where I thought this Duke team with Kyle Filipowski, and obviously he didn't shoot the ball well yesterday, 0-5 from three. Uh, Tyrese Proctor, 1-5. of This also isn't a Duke team that shoots well from three. This was kind of always going to be if they were going to lose it's because they got if they were going to lose it would be because they got down early and they had to fight their way back into a game and once Tennessee in that in the final 10 minutes really started to open things up it just felt like Duke never had a prayer because they're coming down the floor and launching threes which is not their strength to begin with it just it felt like a bad day. Like you bring up Derek Lively making an impact on the defensive glass, but only two offensive boards. He's not crashing well. He's not limiting Tennessee's possessions. He's not giving his team second chances. So that's where I started getting concerned with Duke when I was watching it. And like we mentioned, the freshmen finally starting to play like five star freshmen. Well, ran out yesterday, and that's a little bit of what happens, and maybe that was on us trusting this team too much. I went back and looked. Teams that really overperform in the end stretch of the season relative to how they played to start the year typically are underwhelming in the tournament. Mm -hmm. I just Arizona, I think, is another example of that. Yeah, but didn't it feel like the path was built so well for Duke where you get a Tennessee team that's not healthy, that's down their best player, you go up against a coach and Rick Barnes who is historically a first-round exit. This is only his ninth trip or uh, eighth trip to the Sweet 16 in his career, Mm -hmm. and he's been coaching for 40 years. So it felt like the path was made for John Shire and Duke to get this done, and instead they got run out of the gym yesterday by Tennessee. And I think that this is a Duke team that it was a good first year for Shire, but ultimately like it's it's on to next season now. They've got the second best recruiting class. They're bringing in five five stars for next season. So we'll see how many of these guys end up going to the NBA draft. Wouldn't shock me to see a few of them come back as well and this could be a duke team that's loaded up and ready to go once again next year and maybe that's part of it too is at, at a five maybe were they a little overseeded like it's possible because of the way that they finished the season winning the acc tournament getting hot winning so many of those games in a row we talked about the win streak should have been longer they got screwed against virginia mm-hmm. in that loss it doesn't it feel like maybe at a five they were a little higher seated than they should have been based on how they played throughout the season and maybe the expectations just got too high. By no means is this a failure for John Shire. You brought up the shoes you have to fill coming in after Coach K leaves to have the ability to recruit at the level that he did, to be continuing to recruit at the level that he is, and to win the ACC tournament. That's a massively successful year. He didn't need a Final Four berth. It would have been awesome, but yeah. he didn't need that. No, he, he didn't need that. I, I think that in terms of were they underseated, overseated, if anything, I think they may have been a little underseated because th- they were running through teams down the stretch to, to close out the year. And they were dominant start to finish in the ACC tournament as well. I think that the ACC and just the ACC being down this year 
was something that probably hurt them. And seeing how they exit the NCAA tournament and also knowing how the ACC was as a whole this season, it feels like five was probably the proper seed for them. So another thing I'm thinking of now, too, with with Duke on the outs, and we look at who's left in this tournament, which we talked a little bit about mm-hmm. in the first hour, who should be the favorite. We are lacking for Blue Bloods, Tyler. Yes, it there's is a, Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky's in there. UCLA is Indiana a Blue Blood? Yes, uh, yes, Indiana's a Blue Blood. Mm-hmm. So we're down to, what, three? Maybe you want to count Michigan State. I wouldn't. Maybe you do. Like, I treat mm-hmm. them as a blue blood, but I don't think most people would. UConn, I guess, if you want to get into it. But really, it's like the storied powerhouse programs. It's UCLA and Kentucky. And that kind of just speaks to the chaos that we've seen in this first weekend. And some of those teams could be on the outs, too. Like, Kentucky still has to play today. UConn Kansas still State. has to play today. Um, uh, you mentioned Indiana. They still have to play today. So, yeah, there there could be just the one. It could just be UCLA. And, like... You've got these new bloods in in the the thick of things now. Alabama and and Houston and these are te- Texas. Like these are untraditional basketball programs that are finally having some success, and it's good to see. I think it's good for the sport too. I think it's good for how you're seeing the the sport kind of spread itself out. Where you've got Brandon Miller, who's going to be the first NBA college player taken off the board. And he's at Alabama. If you told me the the list of schools remaining and what school he's at, I would probably have I would have said, oh, he Kentucky, Kentucky. Like he, he has to be at Kentucky. No, he's at a different school, not just a different school, a different school in the conference that Kentucky resides in as well. Well, maybe that's the future of the sport. A little bit is you go to the school. Like Alabama has a lot of advantages those schools don't have in terms of NIL and boosters. Mm-hmm. Do you start going to the school that? you can make the most money at like now we look next year kentucky's got five of the top 20 recruits uh duke's got five five stars coming in michigan state's up there but then like fifth it's memphis and we all know with penny and memphis they like to throw the bag around a little bit so are we starting to see a shift in the sport where if you have power boosters who are willing to pay you don't have to be a blue blood name to land some of these guys like you look at the schools that are still standing right now alabama football school houston i'd classify if you had to pick one football Football. school arkansas football school tennessee football school texas texas football school the only ones that like ucla is not a football school ucla is a basketball school um and then san diego state i'd lean football school like they've had success as a as a football program but like it's a school school it's a school (laughs) it's a school for for books right um no, no no but like i i would say that like you look at the teams that have advanced through to the the second weekend here so far, and even like okay, let's say Miami wins football school. Um, Xavier's going to move on their basketball school. Um, the the St. Mary's UConn that their basketball schools. But like if TCU beats Gonzaga, football school. So it's interesting too how many of these teams don't even have Division One football. Like Gonzaga, right. it, it's. It's becoming really just kind of an interesting time for the sport where you see UConn, a school mm-hmm. that didn't have a football program until like six years ago. Let's be honest. They still don't. Well, they had a nice year this year. Six it, wins. Yeah, it, was it was a little above yeah. expectation. But they are they have the fourth best recruiting class coming in mm-hmm. next season. Yeah. And, and like, listen, they play. They, they don't play in a conference, though, which is ultimately, I think, what, what hurts them, too, um, from, from getting any sort of notoriety on the football side of things. But, yeah, you're starting to see it. It's a, it's a changing of the guard right now within uh, college basketball where you're seeing these football schools with a lot of money poured into the athletic programs 
they're the ones that are starting to come out on top and emerge as strong contenders. All right, when we come back, we're going to do a quick-hitting preview of all the games that we still have left for today. That's coming up next. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norling, this is Basketball U. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. is Basketball U. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. Thank you to Kendra Smith for producing today's show. Tyler Rocky and Shane Norling were with you every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament from 11 to 1 right here on ESPN 1000. Thanks for hanging out and listening. We, we riled up uh, West Lafayette today. I, I, I'm proud of that. Good job by us, too. I mean, yeah. you have to hold Matt Painter to the fire a little bit. When you lose, and we said it how many times, when you lose to a 13, a 15, and a 16 in back-to-back-to-back seasons, you're going to get held accountable a little bit. Speaking of handing out some good jobs, too, uh, Charlie Bevins, our great producer here at ESPN 1000, was one of the final 181 remaining perfect brackets. He got 21 of the first 21 picks all correct. He started 21-0 and in, in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Shout out to Charlie. Fantastic work. He may be hosting this show next year. He did say he had a rough Saturday. He slipped a little mm-hmm. bit. Iowa State offset the 21 of 21, and then it's downhill from there. But still, to go 21 of the first 21 in a tournament that saw... A fifteen seed get ba- or a two seed get bounced by Princeton. It's pretty good. Like the Furman pick, everybody was on. I'm not mm-hmm. giving him credit for that, but picking Princeton, yeah. that's impressive. So I kind of treated his bracket like a a perfect game in baseball. I didn't text him about it very often. Like I, I think I mentioned one time in a in a group chat uh, with him in it that I was like, "Are you still perfect?" I, I I couldn't tell. I wasn't sure yet. I didn't know what game he had. Um, and he was still perfect. And he seemed like he was pretty open to talking about it too like but i didn't want to be the one that jinxed it and him getting pissed at me for it he jinxed it why did he jinx it 3 30 p.m on friday so you mm-hmm. and i were in uh six to eight friday night right hosting for black and abdallah uh-huh. and 3 30 p.m charlie texted me unprompted if i'm perfect by the end of the Sox game i'm calling in tonight <laughs> That was it. That <laughs> so right he there. Ruined it. Yeah, okay. he cursed. I uh, he cursed Iowa State season right there. See, here's the thing, Charlie. We were gonna put you on if you were still perfect anyway. We were gonna bring in Charlie. Our hope was that the Iowa State game would drag out long enough, or or the Sox game would go quick enough where we could put Charlie on and he would still be perfect, and we could bring in someone with one of the few remaining perfect brackets. But Charlie Bevins, one of the final 181 perfect entries on ESPN's Tournament Challenge. And there are no perfect brackets remaining, correct? At this point, I mean, when the one goes down to a 16, you can't possibly have picked Mm -hmm. that and everything else correctly. Correct, yeah. So, Charlie, well done. Um, We may may make some some real estate for you on the fridge next year, too, for the bracket. Yeah, he's going to need to be up there. 21 of 21, it's still blow. Imagine he put that in a parlay. A 21 (laughs) money line parlay. Yeah, like a daily parlay, too. Oh, wow, that would have been... He could have retired, probably. It would have been incredible. Um, so we've got a bevy of games so far. 
um, on the slate for later on today. Xavier uh, taking care of business against Pitt right now. They're on top 72-54 with about nine minutes left to go there. Looks like the Musketeers will be moving on. Just some quick hitting thoughts as we go through these uh, these games that are still on the slate for today. Kentucky taking on Kansas State here. Kentucky a slight favorite at two and a half points right now. But this is a Kentucky team. They were dominant in their round one game, and I I, I think they can do it again. Even though this is a 6-3 game where the six is favored, I I like Kentucky's prospects of pulling off the win today. I'm on the Kentucky side, but it looks like money's coming in on Kansas State. Mm. And it is, it's one of those things, Tyler. We talked about it with Duke. The team that is massively overperforming relative to the start of the season, very rarely do they actually make the second weekend. I'd be hesitant to get on Kentucky now. Like, I'm already on them, so it is what it is. You mm-hmm. and I are riding into the night together on mm-hmm. this. Yes. But uh, I, I'm getting a little nervous. Like, Kansas State in the bracket upstairs I have in the final four. Or not upstairs, but in one of my bracket pools. Oh, your other, this is your where other we bracket? have a problem. Okay. My other, other okay. bracket. I do have All Kansas right. State as a final four team. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But I think, like... Like you mentioned, Kentucky's playing the way you expect a Calipari and a Kentucky team to play, especially late in the year. They lost the SEC uh, in the SEC tournament to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's better. Sometimes yes. you like we saw Penn State go out and beat Texas A and M. Sometimes it's better to get that loss out of the way and not enter too hot and over the top. You know, we've given the the Big Ten a lot of flack for their lack of tournament success. It's very possible. We could see the Big 12 not have a second weekend team either. Boy, like wouldn't right that now, be a it, shock. Is, it is Kansas State and TCU who are both underdogs today that need to carry the mantle. The SEC has done a fantastic job, which is partially why I like Kentucky today. And the Big 12, everybody build. Like you had this the first weekend we did this show together, that the Big 12 is obviously a fabulous conference, but everybody was selling it little Big Ten esque as by far far the best mm-hmm. and now here we are in the second round in the first weekend still and it's two teams left well three with texas yeah uh, oh yeah so the, the big 12 will have a team in the second weekend i i apologize i i'm already making my my brain transition of texas going to the sec it's an there. sec school that's right yes mm-hmm. just means more yes um okay next game that we've got on the slate here michigan state and marquette i know you and i are going to be super dialed into this one um but if I'll say this, all right, Marquette blew Vermont out in that second half uh, of their opening round game. But if they let Michigan State get the open three point looks that they were given Vermont, that Vermont just was not knocking down. Marquette is not winning this game. Here's the thing with this. Like, I don't want to offer a pick because I'm too emotionally invested. What I would say as an outside observer, when you see Shaka Smart giving points to Tom Izzo, in March, you probably want to go with Tom Izzo. Like the the track record recently between the two of them is remarkably similar. Izzo's been a walking first round exit for the better part of a decade. Shaka Smart's been a walking first round exit for a decade. It's kind of two similar stories going up mm-hmm. against one another. But Izzo's obviously got the greater track record. He's one of the better coaches in the history of college basketball. Like Danny mentioned when we did our wellness check, Bill Self's in that top three. Mm-hmm. I would say Izzo is too active. Yes. So I would say anytime you see Shaka Smart giving points to an Izzo Michigan State team, the Izzo squad is the way to go. Boy, it is going to be testy in my apartment today as well um, because my roommate, Danny, is a Marquette grad, Mar- big Marquette fan, huge Marquette fan. He hates that I, I talk down on Shaka Smart all the time. And his girlfriend, Sandy, is a Michigan State fan. 
So it is going to be hostile I like the Sandy. walls today. Sandy's a good person. It's going to be hostile. Yeah, I today. can't imagine being a bar. Well, I mentioned to you, we're going to go watch this game at a bar, uh, Michigan State bar. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing along my friend who is a Marquette graduate. Yeah. And I'm, I told him, if you want to watch this game together, I'm taking you to enemy territory. So have fun. <laughs> There's nothing like a road game. Um, all right. St. Mary's and UConn. St. Mary's uh, impressive in their opening round win against VCU. Put the VCU. stamp on them, Tyler. Yeah. I know you want to put the stamp on them. But I like UConn. Yeah, I know I you like... want to hit, hit St. Mary's with the fraud stamp. Put yeah. the Put the they, label they on. They are. Them. They're. They're. I'm not going to call them a dead team walking because I don't think they're a dead team, but I do think they are a, a bit of a fraud. I like UConn there. Creighton Baylor, another great six three matchup that we've got on on deck for today. I think this could be a game that that Creighton and they are a, a slight favorite in this one. I think even though they are the sixth seed here, I really like what Creighton has done this season towards the back end of the slate. Like they had a rough six-game losing streak back in November, December, but since then, they look like one of the better teams in the sport. And one of the kind of tips that a lot of people will tell you if you're looking to bet on college basketball, when you see a lower-ranked team favored against a higher-ranked team, probably ride the lightning and bet on the lower-ranked team. Mm-hmm. Fairly Dickinson getting a second crack at the tournament. They're taking on Florida Atlantic. Um, FAU, I, th- I thought the winner of Memphis FAU was going to move on to the Sweet 16. And, and now that we see Fairleigh Dickinson as the, the opponent, I think uh, even stronger, even stronger of that. Yeah, I think part of this, like when we saw UMBC beat uh, Virginia, we knew they weren't going to get out of the second round. It's impossible to match the emotion and get back up. It's almost like you're on the mat. Like you have to get back up to where you were. It's a really difficult thing to do. I can't imagine uh, Fairleigh Dickinson goes out and wins today. And then lastly, we've got a fantastic nightcap, Miami, Indiana, and TCU, Gonzaga. Those should both be great games. And I do think, though, that there is some potential with some of those uh, worst-seeded teams, the 5 Miami and the 6 TCU. Yeah, I'm kind of interested, uh, TCU especially, because Gonzaga doesn't play any defense. Right. That's where I really get intrigued. Could the Big 12 stay alive some more, get two teams into the second weekend, TCU knocking out Mark Few. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Basketball U. We're with you every single Sunday. If you miss anything, check out the Basketball U podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you next Sunday. This is ESPN Chicago. Chicago.